All right. Uh, good morning. It's uh, 28 minutes to 11 and you are with 2XXFM, 98.3 People Powered Radio. My name's Jeff. My co-presenter is Marion and this is News from the Drug Warfront brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. And how are you this morning, Marion? Um, well, <laughs> I'm a mess actually, Jeffrey. Oh. Good morning, everybody. I've got everything that's just... All my papers have just fallen on the floor. But good morning, listeners, and how are we this morning? Such a strange morning. Poured down with rain last night. Yeah, came out nice. Yeah. And this morning I woke up and the sun was out and you wouldn't have known it had rained, basically. Anyway, good morning, it's everybody. very unpredictable. Lovely to talk to you this morning. I'm glad we had some rain last night, even yeah. though it did suddenly pour down as if there was no tomorrow. And tomorrow it... We look a little bit greener and there are a few puddles and that's good to see and my land ground cover is looking much healthier, not as brown as it was, but boy, oh boy. Good for all outdoor plants. It was, yeah, yeah. and I think the Queenslanders are happier too. They've been needing rain for ages because of those fires up there. Yeah. Okay, welcome listeners to this uh, today's edition of News from the Drug Warfront, as I mentioned, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy. Um, now, this show promotes the broader array of services, obviously, that Karma provides, which seems to be ever-increasing, but we also try and report on stories that are rele- relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world, and try and promote discussion and education about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic substance use in a world of prohibition. Let's try and think outside the box. Oh, indeed. And, Geoffrey, don't we have some new ones that are virtually going to drive us vertical? We've got a story about vaping, yeah. which I just thought we might mention before we go to our first song, I guess, or to a, more of our introduction. But, you know, really quite horrifying that what we're doing is creating a new market a new illicit drug market, in a market that's not meant to be drug-bound, yeah, by vaping, by making vape um, materials or equipment illicit, we're pushing that market of people who, of young people in particular, because that's who it's targeting, young people who use are pushing them into an illegal market that they should never be involved with, but forcing them to become involved with, which means really that they should be having their vapes checked Well, if you're going to have vaping, don't make it prohibited, but try and promote the quality. Yeah, but, uh, well, look, the story we've got about this yeah. young man in uh, uh, we'll make Port Lincoln. Feel just sho- anyway, yeah. we'll talk about that later, but just shocking. And let me first of all just tell you about karma. Karma is the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy and it and the Connection, which is Canberra's um, support group for drug and alcohol users for Indigenous people, um, are based uh, in Belconnen and uh, what is it? I can never remember. You'd think I would know it off by heart by now. Uh, anyway, Shop 17, Shops. Level 1, 54, Benjamin Way. Thank you. 62533643 is the telephone number. Uh, Karma provides... Uh, gosh, it provides a variety of services. The Peer Treatment Support Program, the First Nations Program by Connections, the Naloxone Program, which is Opioid Overdose and Response 
um, for users, uh, training Dave does on the first Tuesday of every month at 2pm on uh, at the Early Morning Centre. Mm-hmm. Um, the News from the Drug War Front radio program, which is us, the Rich Teach Treat Hepatitis C Peer Education Program in collaboration with the Hepatitis C uh, Council, the Karma Primary Healthcare Clinic, which is on every Thursday at uh, 11 p.m. 10 p.m. Sorry, 10 a.m. And the doctor then two. arrives and at 11. They had another 14 clients last week, Did which they is indeed. excellent. So anyway, look, if you don't have a GP or if you're unwilling to go to a GP and admit to your drug use or if your drug use appears to bring out the, a discriminatory, discriminatory response yep. to a GP or a, uh, any kind of doctor, and that often does happen, then come to the Karma Health Clinic because they take it for granted that what you're doing is using illicit drugs, and that's really They're important. not going to give you grief. They will yep. not discriminate you. What they will do is they will identify what's wrong with you. So diagnose yeah. you despite what's happening. Yeah, look, the, I think the key um, point is if you have any questions or uh, information about a particular drug or referral services or whatever, call Karma and speak to somebody. That's right. That's and if they can't find out, they'll find out someone who can help you. 6253-3643 is the landline number. Or you can come and drop into Karma. It's open from 10 till 4, Monday to Friday. Um, you can just drop in. There's no reason why you have to make an appointment exactly. or you can call to s- talk to somebody over the phone if you've got a particular problem or an issue or you just want to know where to go to get people to talk to about a particular issue relating to illicit drugs or drug use. Yep. Couple, We're there for you. A couple more things coming up. The Women's Support Group Christmas Party is December the 15th at 130 Again, ring 6533643. The Venoscope, which uh, Peter um, sort of uh, oversees, he's in on Monday, Wednesday and Friday and there's some uh, actual harm reduction information to go Yes, there's a new training manual about to come out, of which we have the draft of. Yeah, I think that's really important. Well, it will be very useful once it's completed and be able to put out to people because it's... People who've been using by injection over a period of time will know, even those who are just starting will find it very difficult to find a viable vein. Yeah. So we no, for older people, it's as a welcome addition. Oh, absolutely. But it's one of the, another one of the, look, if you can think of an issue that karma doesn't deal with, ring them up and say, we need someone to deal with this because they try to work with and deal with issues relevant to illicit drug users and injecting drug users. Indeed. And, as they where they're at, so what they're yep. doing now is what's important, not what and what they want to do. But it's important that they work with you where you are up to. Indeed. Okay. News from the Drug War Front reports on news stories, as I said before, relevant to illicit drug users. Many of the articles featured come from uh, mainstream media, so the contents of this broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and the connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen uh, regardless of laws and UN conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment uh, support services, advocacy and community 
development will seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. Okay, we'll go to our first song. Uh, PJ Harvey, we played a song from this album last week. This is A Place Called Home, PJ Harvey. One day Just hold on to me. 
All right, that was PJ Harvey and A Place Called Home. I it's bet you DJs used to hate that song because well, they fade out. When they fade out, they're real shockers to try and time. Oh, yeah. yeah? That, Look, we'll true. go to our first story here, and this is really important. Um, and although it's not, they're not meant to be, Drug related because vape has become vaping is becoming or has become an illicit activity. It's promoted uh, an available criminal market. Look, the st- first story comes from it's called Vape Laced with Illicit Drugs THC DMT puts a 14 year old Port Lincoln boy in hospital. This is by Emma Pedler and Amelia Costigan from abc.net.au. November the 16th, so that's last Thursday. A South Australian teenager has suffered seizures and heart irregularities and was unresponsive for 15 hours after inhaling a drugged vape. The vape was laced with the hallucinogen DMT and THC, the major psychoactive component in cannabis, which caused a severe response in the 14-year-old boy. Malik Ebert's mother, Bree, a voluntary ambulance officer, said she recognised he was showing symptoms of a serious health episode. Quote, being a trained ambulance officer, having no idea what he's got in him, we went straight to the hospital, she said. Uh, he was hallucinating. He remembers seeing colour and remembers people touching him. But he wasn't able to do anything about it. He said he felt like his head was disconnected from his body. As the drugs had been inhaled, there was little the hospital could do for Malik. It's something to remember, isn't it? He was given oxygen and fluids and monitored overnight with an erratic and dangerous heart rate. Malik was not responsible, uh, responsive sorry, until the next morning, well over 15 hours after he initially fell ill. He has very little memory of what happened. The quote by Miss Herbert, his mother, says, I think he's still coming to terms with what happened to him. It took him at least until the Sunday, five days later, to be able to have conversations that made sense. Wow. And to be able to talk to him about what happened, she said. Malik will be monitored for neurological damage and for long-term damage to his liver and kidney stemming from the incident. He said he had no memory of how many puffs he took of the lace vape or how long it took to begin experiencing his effects, its effects. Doctors, nurses and pharmacists at the Port Lincoln Hospital said this was the first case they had treated involving DMT consumed through a vape, which a urine drug test confirmed. Yeah, we sort of speculated that the DMT was... And that's something that's really important. ...likely to be the culprit. Long-term health impact unclear. Port Lincoln GP and President of the South Australian branch of the AMA, John Williams, said the general community lacked awareness of how toxic vapes could be. Quote, it is extremely concerning that this stuff is out there and accessible to young people. We're really looking at something at least as dangerous as cigarettes and possibly more, and there's no industry regulation to show what's in there. So it's really just cow- cowboy country. And that's the important bit, Jeffrey. I think, that we need to note. It really is not only cowboy country, but it's about creating a new illicit drug market 
We, it doesn't say whether they... Uh, sorry, I'll let you finish your bit and then maybe we'll discuss it. Yeah, yeah, we should have time to have a chat. Uh, school-age students vaping. A study uh, conducted by University of Sydney surveyed 721 young people about vaping behaviour in school. The researchers found more than half of those trying to vape for the first time were under the age of 16, while principals and school administrators reported using school funds to install vape detectors in the school's toilets. Port Lincoln Superintendent Paul Bayer said while ordinary vapes were, were regulated by South Australian Health, devices laced with illicit drugs were a matter for police. Quote, whenever minors are involved in drug taking, we are concerned. And we do know that drug taking at a young age can lead to addictive behaviour at an older age. And that in itself has a whole heap of social consequences. It's currently illegal to buy or use a nicotine vape in Australia without a prescription for its use as a smoking cessation device. In a study of 428 vapes seized from retailers and 322 surrendered by children at Sydney schools, researchers from the University of Wollongong found that while most of the devices did not have nicotine listed as an active ingredient, about 98% of the devices actually contained it. So it's, it's cowboy country. Yeah. Uh, it's a situation that scares me, Z, but you can put whatever you want inside these vapes, which is the danger. They look and taste so appealing to kids. Recognising the signs of an overdose is not something I thought of teaching my 13-year-old or 14-year-old, but it turns out us as parents need to have that conversation with our kids. Well, indeed we are. The thing I was going to mention in the middle of that and saved until the end, Jeffrey, was we don't really know if this boy was informed that there would be any drugs, if he knew beforehand that there were any illicit or, or hallucinogenic yeah. drugs no, or, you know, intoxicating drugs in the vape. But the point that needs to be made really clear is that if nobody knows what's in them and they think it's just a nicotine, which is not an illicit drug as such and it's not meant to be intoxicating, not in the traditional sense of intoxication, you're not going to get it checked or drug checked, even if drug checking is available. It wouldn't have crossed his mind that no. there was potential problem. But Unless he knew. And that's the thing that's not clear in the article. It doesn't say that he knew beforehand no. that there was THC or not. Or anything. If, no. You know, he might have thought or may maybe he knew that there was some pot in it and he was just trying pot for the first time. Well, a picture, there's a picture of him sort of just looking, well... Unconscious. Well, he is unconscious in, hospital, in the hospital. And he, you know, like unresponsive 15 yeah. hours. That's a long time. It is. And five days later, the article says he doesn't remember what happened five to, up to five days later. Mm. But the, it is an issue that we need to think carefully about. Having created a new illicit drug market. Regulated. If you let it go and let it become cowboy country, you create. Um, you, you let go of all controls, and that's what they've done. We've let go of the control over what's in these vaping products, and it leads to big problems. Now I've got to clean up the mess. And 15 hours of this guy in, intoxic in intensive care, Sca that's a problem. Scary stuff. Okay, uh, Marion's picked this next song from the Jefferson, Jefferson Airplane Collection, and it's... Uh, Somebody to love. Was mm, that the pick? Good old Grace Slick. Remember Grace yes. Slick, everybody? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Somebody to love. 
And that was done. Grace Slick was a um, a model before she joined um, Jefferson, Jefferson Airplane. Airplane. And but she also wrote some really good songs. She did. There's another one called White Rabbit. It's oh, on classic. that album yeah. too, which is just a classic um, Trippers song, if you like. People, but it was yeah. people would remember it, yeah, definitely. They would indeed. Okay, well, that was obviously a live version of uh, Somebody to Love, but um, which is why you didn't recognise it when it first yeah, when started. Yeah, I thought oh, they what's do this? sound so different when different when they're live, don't they? They can do. Okay, we've got uh, four minutes. Before the 11 o'clock national news, uh, Dana Carvey's son has evidently died from uh, an accidental overdose at the age of 32. I wasn't sure who he was, but he was in a film called Wayne's World. Which, oh, was a which most people, well, I don't know I remember it, but I remember it largely because I think my kids um, yeah, brought it to been, my attention. Yeah. But it's, it's a fairly old film, but it's a, it was weird too. Anyway, interesting. Go on. Well, it's sad. Um, Dana Carvey, 68, and he and his wife had suffered a terrible tragedy following the death of their beloved son, Dex. Uh, he packed a lot into his 32 years. He was extremely talented in so many things, music, art, filmmaking, comedy, and he pursued them all passionately. It's not an exaggeration to say Dex loved life, and when you were with him, you loved life too. He made everything fun, but most of all, he loved his family, his friends, and his girlfriend, Kaylee. Dex was a beautiful person. His handmade birthday cards are a treasure and we will miss him forever. That's just sad. Mm, Carvey, who won an Emmy Award in 1993 for outstanding individual performance in US comedy sketch show Saturday Night Live, oh, said right. to those struggling with addiction or those who have loved ones struggling with addiction, you're in our hearts and prayers. He later shared a photograph of himself laughing with his son on Instagram, captioning it, Dex and me working together, what a joy. Dex starred in a number of TV series alongside his father, including The Funster in 2013, Beyond the Comics a year later and Carpool Pandering on 2016, as well as opening his father's comedy special titled Straight White Male 60 in the same year. And that's really interesting in, in, for no other reason in that it doesn't really say a huge amount except that... Dana Carvey's son, Dex, was 32, hmm. and an accidental overdose says to me that either he didn't know what the quality of the drugs he was using was, or he didn't know he was using drugs at all. But it doesn't tell us very much other than much they insight. are sad. Yeah. yeah. And they had no access to naloxone, because I'm assuming it was an opioid overdose. Anyway, we're coming up to news time just about. Well, it's speculation, isn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, unless they release um, a bit more information, a bit more information just later. That. Maybe they just. And I suppose I'm saying 32, you know, in my mind, I picture, um, a, oh, gosh, I guess a fairly discreet drug using child, yeah, someone. And at 32, I guess they're still considered a child. But anyway. Oh, young man, I suppose. Didn't but, know how to. Um, Respond to him, didn't know that he was um, using drugs, didn't know what to do about it at the same time. Well, we're just speculating. Um, I saw a thing about uh, a group, uh, Moms Against Harm, like Mothers of yes. Lot. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like they do a lot of interesting uh, they do. messaging yes. and education. They, do, and they actually do some fairly, yeah, they do some fairly um, intelligent work in, ter in terms of harm reduction as opposed to you know, um, just say no type stuff. Well, anyone up to 
doing some intelligent work. Yeah, has our full support. <laughs> indeed. More of it because it's going to take a yeah a lot of effort to. Oh, uh, indeed, it is. Yeah. It's just there's no way it can all be done just off the top of your head. No, it's got to be planned. It's a long slog. Okay, and we're coming up to the eleven o'clock news, and we be back after that. People Powered Radio, 2XX FM 98.3, a volunteer, not-for-profit community station accessible to all. If independence and diversity are important to you, become part of the 2XX FM community by subscribing, donating, sponsoring or volunteering. Go to 2XXFM.org.au. Yeah, I can only endorse the message in that uh, promo for 2XX. If you're in a position to become a financial member, Uh, give it serious consideration or if you've got some spare time do some volunteer work learn some skills community radio is uh, alive and well and it offers a voice for shows like ours and dozens of other uh, shows that cover issues that don't get much mainstream media coverage Um, i forgot to mention uh, before that there's been a new south wales community drug alert uh, and it funny it refers to um Opio, over, overdoses from strong opioids, nitazines, in black market vape juice. At least three opioid overdoses in New South Wales, including one death, have been linked to powerful synthetic opioids called nitazines. They're potent synthetic opioids and have been found in illicit vape juice. In one case, the person thought the vape refill liquid contained um, THC, but it actually contained a nitazine. Uh, one of the problems with nitazines is they can be stronger and last longer than fentanyl, and they can also affect a person's breathing more than other opioids. Overdose has occurred in a matter of minutes with as little as six to eight puffs of a vape if it contains a nitazine, even in people who are used to using opioids. So um, clearly you need to be aware of that in New South Wales. Hopefully uh, it hasn't made it to the ACT, but uh, they list the signs of overdose, how to respond, um, using naloxone, call an ambulance, all, all, all the good things. Um, I came across, in going to an overseas story, a sort of humorous one. It's entitled, Is Snoop Dogg Going to Single-Handedly Win the War on Drugs? The data says maybe. This is from dailycaller.com, November the 17th. I think it's tongue-in-cheek. But Snoop Dogg's recent decision to stop using marijuana has apparently caused a spike in online searches for quit weed demonstrating the power of his messaging. The legendary rapper and music producer built an entire empire based on his position, his passion for marijuana and his love of smoking weed, making him one of the biggest public figures recognised as a weed enthusiast. Online searches for quit weed exploded by 1,152% worldwide after Snoop Dogg announced his decision to cut the habit on November the 16th. Specific searches exploded in popularity, including quit smoking, which rose by 492% in the third week of November, as well as stop smoking weed, which rose 511%. These findings highlight how much influence a celebrity really can have on its, on its fans, with the latest announcement of Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg changing his lifestyle, creating a monumental spike in searches for quitting uh, cannabis. The analytics demonstrate Snoop Dogg's immense influence on the war on drugs and just about any other kind of messaging that he decides to convey and goes on to say he's amassed $82 million fortune from being a hip-hop mogul. Um, 
The bombshell news has come as a massive shock to his fans, as the hip-hop star has always been very open about his smoking habits and has even ventured into numerous businesses, including weed strains and edibles. So it's no surprise that fans who lead similar habits are questioning their own lifestyle and may be thinking of a change. I think there's a bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek about that. Uh, I know Snoop Dogg is very influential, but... um, I don't think uh, half of America is going to give up smoking cannabis just because Snoop's decided to uh, give it a rest. But uh, you never know. Okay, thought I'd play uh, Walk on the Wild Side. Miami FLA Hitchhiked away across USA Plucked her eyebrows on the way Shaved her legs and then he was a she She says, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side Said, hey honey Take a walk on the wild side She was everybody's darling But she never lost her head Even when she was given head She says, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side Said, hey babe Take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls go do 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 Gave it away Everybody had to pay and pay A hustle here and a hustle there New York City is the place where they said Hey babe, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey Joe, take a walk on the wild side Sugar Pump Fairy came and hit the streets Looking for soul food and a place to eat Went to the Apollo, you should have seen him go, go, go They said, hey sugar, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side All right Just speeding away Thought she was James Dean for a day Then I guess she had to crash Valium would have helped that fast I said, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side I said, hey honey, take a walk on the wild side And the colored girls say Do, 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 do 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 do
right, it's about 12 minutes after 11. Of course, that was Lou Reed with Walk on the Wild Side, one of his most well-known tracks. And um, he really was a brilliant observer of subcultures, he was. he wasn't was, he? Look, he was a poet first and foremost, wasn't he? And he, he was very definite. He was a, a participant, I guess, participant uh, informant. He used to write everything from a very subjective point of view, but he wrote about what was going on around him. And he was... On the street a lot of the time, yeah. using, and that was, you know, that was, he wrote a lot about that, and he, if you listen to the words of that song, it's really quite intense. Oh, You know, Little brilliant. Joe never once gave, gave it, it away. away. Everybody had Need to, to pay, pay and pay. A hustle here and a hustle there. New, New York, York City is the place where, where, hey, Joe, yeah. no, take it's a, a walk on the wild side. It's a classic, like many. Yeah. You're right, he, he was actually sort of... Um, taken under the wing of an American poet called Delmore Schwartz. And I think right? he Which is why I think he saw himself as a poet. Yeah. He just put his lyrics to, to music. Yeah. So I think you're spot on. Okay, I know um, we've discussed uh, President Duterte in the Philippines and his um, uh, interpretation of what makes a good war on drugs, which is just shooting people. Um, Absolutely. Well, <laughs> you know, it is definitely a war the way he saw it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, pr- proud of it no too. Do. Yeah. Uh, it, well, look, he's out of office. Um, the president is the son of a former dictator, President Marcos. And but his daughter, and Duterte's daughter, daughter is, is the vice president. president. So, her, you know, the obvious, quite clearly, although Duterte wasn't allowed to stand for office no. again, having his daughter there Protect as him. vice president would kept his uh, kept his promises or his priorities still on the agenda Absolutely. and still there but um the his version of the war on drugs or how to conduct a war on drugs was clearly not totally supported by bong bong well i was hoping it would be trash but anyway um this piece is by alba uh, bang alba jones uh november the 17th as philippines drug war rolls on christians continue their work duterte tried the hardline policy, Marcos is prioritising rehab. Christians point to Jesus. <laughs> While running for office last year, Philippine President Ferdinand uh, Bongbong Marcos Jr. promised to seek a new path to curb Ill- illicit drugs, catch the, quote, big fish and rehabil- rehabilitate the drug users. Let's educate the younger ones, Marcos said in an interview, and those who are already involved or already addicted, we should treat them. We're trying to formulate the best way for the re- rehabilitation. It's a starkly different approach from his predecessor, Rodrigo Duterte, who outraged some Filipinos and certainly the international community with his brutal take on the war on drugs, giving police blanket authority to kill anyone found using or dealing drugs. Or not as the case may be. Or not as the case may be, (laughs) set it up so it looked like they were. During Duterte's six-year presidential term, government data reported around 6,000 drug-related killings. The figure's much higher. We've talked about that before, Jeffrey, because that was after the first six months. Yeah. They had 6,000, and they stopped counting after that. It's not the six-year. Or stopped reporting it. It's not the six-year figure. Human rights groups, however, uh, say the number's much higher, estimating that up to 30,000 people were killed. Quote, I will never, never apologise for the deaths. Duterte said on January 2022, kill me, jail me, but I'll never apologise. That sounds like a Duterte, all right. It sounds like a dodo too, doesn't it, Donald Trump? 
Um, since taking office, the article goes on, Marcos has established more than 100 community-based drug rehab centres that provide drug users with temporary shelter and reintegrate them into society. Today, there are nearly 500 of these centres called Barley Silingan Reformation Centres, Reformation Centres, in the Philippines. However, during the first year of Marcos's presidency, the number of drug-related killings actually increased <laughs> from the last year of Duterte's term. According to a recent report by the Dahas Project at the University of the Philippines' Third World Studies Centre, they counted 342 killings from Marcos's inauguration in July 2022 until, July, until June 2023. 40 more than the previous year. Of that number, state agents killed a total of 146 people. So it sounds like, you know, 50% of them were killed by state agents and the other 50% must have been, I don't know who they were killed by. The study's researcher, Joel Ariate Jr., uh, told Rappler that while Marcos touts a different approach, the policy hasn't changed because the officials who implemented Duterte's war on drugs are still in power, which is, and in fact so is his um, daughter, who is vice president. Uh, the article goes on, quote, No one is being held accountable for these kill those killed before, Ariati told, Ariate told Rappler. There's no sense of justice, no sense of punishment. Who, what will stop those who killed and who continue to kill? As the government attempts different approaches to tackle the Philippines' drug problems, Christians engaged in drug prevention and rehabilitation ministries continue their work quietly and faithfully. And it's a big religion, isn't it, in the Philippines? Indeed. It was brought by missionaries. And, yeah. yeah, while government policies may impact... Well, they're a very heavily Catholic country, the Philippines. Oh, yeah, yeah right. they're yeah. Spanish, yeah? Yep. Um, while government policies may impact who shows up at their doors, through it all, they continue to see God rescuing men and women from their addictions. Oh, okay. On to my bit. Uh, two ways to wage a war on drugs. The Philippines has long faced the drug use problem as its geographic location allows international drug syndicates to use it as a major market and transit hub for illegal drug trade in Southeast Asia. Approximately 1.67 million Filipinos used drugs in 2019, according to the government's Drug Bureau. Citizens fed up with corruption and crime elected the hardliner Rodrigo Duterte in 2016, a former mayor of the southern city, Davao. Duterte ruled the city for more than 22 years with an iron fist. If elected president, give me about three to six months, I'll get rid of corruption, drugs and criminality. Duterte <laughs> declared during his campaign for president. Won't take me long. Yep. Uh, Duterte granted police immunity in the drug war, which in some cases led corrupt police officers to kill people who had no connection whatsoever to drugs. For instance, the 2017 police raid operation in Calucan City left a 17-year-old Kian Lloyd de los Santos dead. On him were two small sachets of shabu, slang for methamphetamine, and a .45 calibre gun. The policeman claimed he was a suspected drug runner who resisted arrest and shot at them, forcing them to fire back. <laughs> but witnesses and CCTV footage revealed the young man had been begging for his life. Gunpowder tests confirmed De Los Santos's innocence, while reporters found the drugs and guns had been planted on him. 
De Los Santos's death caused an uproar. Authorities tried the three policemen involved in the killing and found them guilty of murder. Mm. An investigation by the International Criminal Court found that only 507 of over 42,000 anti-illegal um, drug operations conducted in the first year and a half of Duterte's rule were based on an arrest warrant. Yeah. Marcos has worked to differentiate his approach from that of his predecessor. Quote, the campaign against illegal drugs con- continues, but it's taken on a new face, Marcos said in his second State of the Nation address. It's now geared towards community-based treatment, rehabilitation, education and reintegration to curb drug dependence amongst our affected citizenry. Mainstay Christian drug uh, ministries have witnessed the repercussions of the whiplash in government policy. Since Marcos came to power, quote, illegal drugs have again pr- proliferated even in our maximum security prisons with inmates as packers, said Ariston Lee, Executive Director of Philippine Teen Challenge, a Christian drug addiction treatment centre that has operated in the country for 35 years. Packers refers to dealers who repack drugs into smaller bags for sale. Juno Amodia, director of House of Hope, HOAs, on Cebu Island, said that fewer residents now came or come to the Christian rehab, and that's not necessarily because there are fewer drug users. Rather, quote, fly-by-night drug rehabilitation centres sprouted, end quote, during Duterte's presidency, as some people saw the strict drug laws as a business opportunity. <coughs> Excuse me. Quote, every barangay or neighbourhood would have an outpatient program, Amodia said. A person with a drug dependence problem only needs to visit the barangay once a week and go through a two-hour Narcotics Anonymous session. They aren't required by the government to go to a full rehab centre like ours anymore. As a result of this and factors like the pandemic, today House of Hope has 10 residents, down from the usual 20 to 30 residents. House of Hope does not receive government funding, rather sponsors, including churches, companies and individuals, financially help drug addicts who can't pay the centre's monthly fee. Uh, the next heading is showing the gospel to at-risk youth. Oh, that's your solution, Mary. Uh, Christian groups are also working to prevent young people from getting into drugs in the first place. Okay, drug prevention. Volunteers from local churches regularly visit the schools to create a safe place to help high school students deal with issues such as drugs, sexual abuse, pornography, suicide, relationship issues and teen pregnancies. Rescue uh, Rescue Kabatan has held the program at 31 schools and 16 cities and municipalities. One success story, hello, there's one, involves a ninth grade student who started to use drugs at age seven due to the influence of his drug addicted parents. I'm ready to be rescued, he told the <laughs> Rescue Kabatan volunteer. The group then referred him to the social work department where a social worker helped him recover from his addiction as he continued attending Rescue Capitan sessions. His grades, his outlook and his life drastically improved. Advocates see Jesus doing what government policies can't. The gospel really changes people. Okay. Well, there you go. See, you can either have a Duterte or you can can have have Jesus. Yeah, Jesus saves. Yep. But it's a a real issue, isn't it, that they go from 
you know, from sublime to the ridiculous. It's appalling. And, and there, there just is nothing in the middle to make, like safe drug or harm reduction that can do anything to, I guess, intervene in the, uh, the criminal. Look, at Philippines is located so yeah, right. And so smack. well, so yeah. strategically well placed yep. in the middle of the transition from, I guess, the Golden Triangle to places like Australia and huge population areas like yep. Indonesia and Indonesia and China and Japan. And it's a pretty poor country too. It's a very yeah. poor country, and look to uh, to make enough money to live on if you were a member of the police force. The attraction of a twenty nice dollar a head yeah. bounty for oh, each oh. drug user that you killed. Bring it on! Yeah, it was yeah. just going to get you another. You know, if you just did five a week, you've got an extra hundred yeah. bucks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just such it an permeates easy all look. levels of society. Yeah. But and it's it's just sad when you think that for such a Catholic country, you could, or for such a Christian country, that the you don't even have to go for the Jesus saves, but you do need to look at love thy neighbour. You know, that's the kind of important stuff, and that's always worried me about the way that people with heavy, um, morally driven, if you like, attitudes to drug use is an uh, issue. Yeah, it really comes out in a positive way. It sure no. does. Um, you want to... to uh, pick a Mamas yeah, and the Papa song. Papa's was one. it w- words, words of, of love? love. Track yep. thirteen. Track I think 13? that was. Okay, yep. I found it. This is Mamas and Papas. Somewhere where she's never been before 
That good old All mama. All right, yeah, mama mama's little puppies. What a voice she had, yeah? Yeah, she sure did. That was words of love. Okay, welcome back to News from the Drug War Front. It's just after 28 minutes after 11, People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM, and um, seriously consider becoming a supporter of TWX or yeah, volunteer do. and... Anything? If you like our show or any of the other shows at Two Double X, I think there are somewhere There's in the There's a lot of good ones, yeah. Really well-produced shows. And, and, you know, if they don't consider the well-produced, at least people have the opportunity to present their own point of view. And that is a great... We have very few restrictions on what we can and can't say, and they're simply largely about legal matters, but also about not being particularly unkind or discriminatory towards people who... Not only is it illegal to discriminate against, but we find with our own community, um, it's a moral issue, discrimination, as well as being a legal issue. So, yeah, we're not restricted on what we say. Simply what we encourage people to do, particularly through our show, is to encourage people to think about the issues, to talk about the issues between themselves and um, with other people. It's why do we have the drug laws? Why are they relevant? And what's wrong with intoxication? Is that the point? And is doing the same thing over and over again making a difference? Because look what's happened to the vaping. Yeah. Yeah, we've created another criminal market that is just going to kill people or leave people in a position where they don't know what's happened. And we're always happy to get feedback. There's the News from the Drug War Front Facebook page. There's uh, Karma's number. You can um, uh, contact. There's an email, info at karma.org.au. Yep. Um, or, yeah, look, there's, there's a few ways to um, give us some feedback. Anyway, this is an interesting piece from the US, which I thought was getting a bit paranoid, but anyway. Associated Press, November 18, voting centres stock naloxone amid recent fentanyl-laced letter attacks. Mm. Election workers continue to quit as letters sent this month to voting centres or government buildings in six states. Suspicious le- se- <laughs> the suspicious letters sent to voting centres and some government buildings in six states were undeniably scary, some containing traces of fentanyl or white powder accompanied by not-so-veiled threats and dubious political symbols. Harkening back to the anthrax attacks that killed five people in 2001, the mailings are prompting election officials already frustrated with ongoing harassment and threats, which would have come from the Trump campaign, I imagine, Mm -hmm. uh, to reach out to local police, fire and health departments for help, stocking up on the overdose reversal medication naloxone. Even if there is very little risk from incidental contact with the synthetic opioid, having the antidote on hand isn't a bad idea amid an addiction epidemic that's killing more than 100,000 people every year in the United States, and it can provide some assurance for stressed ballot workers, say election managers. Quote, my team is usually in the direct fire just because we're opening up thousands or millions of ballots depending on the election, said Eldon Miller, who heads the ballot opening staff, who leads the ballot... Sorry, leads the ballot opening staff at King County Elections in Seattle, which stocked up on naloxone after receiving a fentanyl laced letter in August. I always say to my team, your safety is my utmost importance. I bet he always says that to them too. Always. Always. Fentanyl, an opioid that can be 50 50 times as powerful as the same amount of heroin, that keeps changing every time we report on it, seems Jeffrey is driving an overdose crisis as it's pressed into pills or mixed with other drugs. 
Briefly touching it cannot cause an overdose and researchers have found that the risk of fatal overdose from accidental exposure is low, unlike with powdered anthrax, which can float in the air and cause deadly infections when inhaled. Election workers across the country have been besieged by threats, harassment and intimidation since the former President Donald Trump and his supporters began spreading false claims that he lost the 2020 election. Didn't actually say that. He said it was stolen from him. He didn't lose it. He never loses anything. It was stolen. Anyway, the quote goes on, I hope we encourage people to not hurt election officials, said Andover, the elections director in suburban Atlanta's Cherokee County, which did not receive a suspicious letter. Her quote goes on, a lot of people are leaving the field. It's not just threats of physical harm. There's a lot of emotional and psychological abuse. Dover reached out this month to fire department officials who provided Narcone, the nasal spray version of naloxone. Naloxone can be attained over the counter and can be given to people of all ages and does not harm people who don't have opioids in their system. And that's really important to remember. It is important. Uh, the piece concludes, Maya Doe Simpkins, a co-director of Remedy Alliance slash for, for the People, which launched last year to provide low-cost or free naloxone to community-based harm reduction programs, said governments should be far more focused on providing the antidote to those who work with people likely to overdose, which seems a fair point. Hmm. There is no shortage of naloxone, which is available online and at some pharmacies, but its distribution leaves something to be desired, she said. It is an absolute gross misuse of resources to spend money on ensuring that election officials have naloxone, she said, especially because the actual appropriate and evidence-based intervention for naloxone distribution is uh, badly underfunded and under-resourced. And, and that's a big issue, Jeff. really, isn't it? When we think about it, we've done articles from the States, and that one, of course, was from the States as well, where we have first responders like fire departments and ambulance officers who have had to say, have had to toss up whether to give somebody naloxone or not because they've only been provided with a certain amount. And, and had they already provided, yeah. yeah, had they already provided this person with uh, naloxone for overdose, opioid overdose reversal or not, or was this person worth saving meaning? They had to make a moral judgment mm-hmm. on whether someone was worth reverse it, worth saving, worth bringing back to life, or so, should they just leave them to die? It's a call no one should have to a, make. You yeah. shouldn't have to make that. No. It should be easily available. And in Australia, you can get naloxone over the counter at the pharmacy. Yeah, federally you don't funded. Need, yeah. You do not need a prescription. You don't. Is it free over the free. counter? It's free over the counter. You can do the training course on Tuesday in Canberra. You can do the training course on Tuesday, first Tuesday of every month in the afternoon. Contact Dave on 62533643. It's only an hour long. You get paid for doing the course and you learn how to use naloxone. And you walk home. It does nothing else but reverse opioid overdose. That's all it does. Exactly. Anyway. All right, we'll play a quick song and then we'll uh, conclude with maybe one or two more overseas stories. This is Mark Lanigan Band, and look, I just like this because I think it encapsulates a particular drug just brilliantly, methamphetamine blues. <laughs>
Mark Lanigan Band and Meth Amphetamine Blues from the album Bubblegum. Okay, it's about coming up almost 20 minutes to noon. You're listening to news from the drug war front from Studio One of 2XFM 98.3 FM People Powered Radio. Uh, we've got a piece uh, from Sydney about a man accused of cooking up $126 million worth of meth in, in a Sydney unit mm. from the Canberra Times, November 19. Sounds like a lot in a unit, but anyway... Mm. An ordinary apartment in Western Sydney was being used as a factory for an interna- international drug syndicate, police say. Australian Federal Police on Sunday said they uh, had seized 142 kilograms of methamphetamine from the unit in Oxley Park after receiving intelligence from Hong Kong police. Using an estimate of $900 a gram, they said the drugs had a potential street value of $126 million. Yeah, so that's police estimation. Yeah, police We've estimate. got to go with that, yeah. The clandestine lab contained chemicals and paraphernalia involved in the manufacture and extraction of methamphetamine. Receipts for materials allegedly used to cook the meth inside the apartment were also recovered. The vast quantity of the drug required the call-up of the specialist chemical operations unit to ensure uh, officers' safety. Stop them consuming it, I suspect. Soon after the November the 3rd raid, police arrested and charged a Hong Kong man with possessing and manufacturing methamphetamine. He was remanded in custody after his first court appearance on November the 6th and faces up to life in prison if convicted. Police allege the syndicate behind the lab was uh, linked to the arrest of three men in Hong Kong and a 28-year-old man in Sydney for the attempted importation of 240 kilograms of meth concealed in fabric rolls in August. Detective Acting Superintendent Jeremy Staunton said international partnerships were critical in the fight against organised crime. Quote, the AFP is uniquely placed to work with our international parkers, partners, sorry, parkers, on transnational investigations where we can stop shipments before they reach Australian shores or share in intelligence that cripples the ability of organised crime groups to operate effectively, he said. Ah, uh, well... Uh... Mm. Let's hope that's... That's, uh, that's that. Anyway, the next story we go on to is Kuwait's war on drugs. I mean, the, look... Never done a story on Kuwait. Story. Have we, we haven't ever done a story on Kuwait, but it's interesting to see. Anyway, Kuwait's war on drugs. Security forces seize 800 kilograms of narcotics in a three-month operation. Arab time, Arab, Arab, sorry, ArabTimesOnline.com, November the 20th. In line with the directives uh, of Sheikh Talad al-Khaled, the first Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of the Interior, robust efforts by security services to curb drug dealers and safeguard Kuwaiti youth from the perilous effects of narcotics have resulted in the confiscation of approximately 800 kilograms of various drugs and about 1.5 million psychotropic pills over the past three months. This is August to October 2023. Data reveals that, under the auspices of the Ministry of Interior, numerous suspects involved in various drug-related cases were apprehended and subsequently handed over to competent 
authorities for legal proceedings as opposed to the incompetent <laughs> authorities, Jeffrey, I'm assuming. Of which they're normally yeah, accustomed. I'm so, sorry, listeners, but it's just interesting the way they phrase these articles. In August, services, uh, security services achieved a significant breakthrough, seizing 6,150 kilograms of various drugs and 763 psychotropic pills in a single day. This operation led to the registration of 10 cases involving 15 defendants. Additionally, authorities intercepted 15 kilograms of drugs shipped through postal parcels, along with 7 kilograms of psychotropic substances, resulting in 14 cases against 14 individuals. The month also witnessed the confiscation of 250,000 psychotropic pills and 11 kilograms of narcotics. This is so non-specific; it's almost mm. hilarious, Jeffrey, isn't it? <laughs> Another separate seizure involved 8,130 pills found in the possession of the defendants, probably the same defendants. September 2023 saw a total of about 180 kilograms of drugs, including hashish and heroin, seized along with thousands of psychotropic pills from numerous defendants. Legal procedures were initiated and the cases were referred to the public prosecution. Uh, yeah, in, 20, in October 2023, security services successfully seized approximately 128 kilograms of hashish and other substances. Over the past three months, the Ministry of Interior, Interior apprehended approximately 190 individuals of diverse nationalities <laughs> involved in drug-related cases charged with the promotion and trafficking of narcotics. These suspects were referred to the public prosecution with numerous cases registered against them. That is so non-specific, There's Jeffrey, so much as to left be out. uninformative. Yep. Yep. It almost means nothing. Well, a lot, <laughs> a lot of these Gulf countries employ guest workers from Southeast Asia, you know, yeah. Bangladesh, India. To write interesting articles about the availability or the presence of a particular demonised um, substance or, or or incident, yeah, but suddenly, but not to be too damning about it. But it's they're like not actually articulating who is the nationality. Is it Kuwaitis yeah. that have suddenly discovered drugs or well, is clearly it people not, from overseas? Because they're referred to the Public Prosecution Service. I mean, it's so peculiar. It's unclear. It is, isn't it? Um, we haven't had a story from Kuwait before, so... No, I'm, I'm pleased that we had it. I didn't want to not do it, Jeffrey. It's just interesting the way it's framed. I wonder what their laws are for transgressing these. Yeah, by, and if they're, if they're different, depending upon the nationality of the... Of the uh, Person. Defendant yep. or the, the perpetrator. It's a that interesting article, though. See if we can find out more. Mm. Okay, uh, I'll pop another track on. This is a classic we've played many times. Uh, Sugar Man, always uh, worth hearing. Tired of these scenes For a blue coin Won't you bring back All those colors to my dreams 
Rodriguez, uh, Sugar Man from his debut album called Fact. He did quite a few songs relating to drugs and he drug did. use, didn't he? And really it's a shame he only did two albums them. and then yeah. went back to construction. But anyway, at least we have those two albums. Yeah. Okay, we're off to America again to finish up. Yeah, okay. So this is called How America Got High as a Kite, and it's by Robert Armstrong, uh, Armstrong by uh, ft.com, November the 18th. Is this hell 
So wondered Joseph Emerson in the grips, he says, of a trip of, on psychedelic mushrooms that had gone badly wrong. Nothing unusual about this. Anyone who's been around users of psychedelic drugs or drugs generally knows things can go badly sideways occasionally. Then they get back on track before long as a rule. The complicating factor is that Emerson was sitting in the cockpit of a passenger plane and the plane was in the air. He was not, thank goodness, one of the pilots. He was an off-duty pilot for the airline catching a ride home. Imagining himself to be in a nightmare, he says, he decided to wake himself up by crashing the plane. He grabbed the fire suppression handle, which cuts the fuel to the engines, before being restrained. The danger appears to have been brief and limited all the same. Emerson faces 83 counts of attempted murder, assuming there are 83 people on the plane, Geoffrey. Starting a few years ago, America's been conducting a huge national experiment in the the legalisation, decriminalisation and destigmatisation of drugs. Marijuana, now fully legal in 24 states, is the biggest part of this. But it doesn't stop there. Psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, is now legal to possess in two states and various cities. Oregon decriminalised possession of small amounts of all drugs three years ago. Ecstasy is working towards um, approval as a therapeutic product, a distinction already bestowed on ketamine. Meanwhile, the attitude towards drugs of the nice, boring, middle-class people I hang around with has changed noticeably. Rare is the person in my social circle who does not chew pot gummies. I have several friends who microdose on LSD to improve their mood. This is to say nothing of the unbelievable prevalence of anti-anxiety drugs, in particular benzodiazepines. To a first approximation, everybody is getting high. The point is uh, to resist. The point is to resist the kind of lazy libertarianism that seems indigenous to the American character. I have a simple hypothesis about this. Over time, when you introduce large amounts of drugs into a large population of people, weird things happen. That sort of makes sense. Yeah. It is a fundamental premise, I guess. Yeah. We don't have any real idea about how the, this experiment is going to turn out. I don't mean this in the Nancy Reagan way. I approve of almost any effort, however idiotic, aimed at having a good time. And the arguments against criminalisation of most drugs, short of meth and fentanyl, um, are sound enough. It is expensive, makes the wrong people rich, puts too many others in prison and encourages wider criminality. Laws controlling personal conduct are to be avoided whenever possible. In the case of marijuana, specifically, outlawing the ingestion of a common plant, whose primary side effect is passive stupidity, <laughs> stupidity seems simply mad. The problem is the unknowns. On my morning commutes to New York, I often share a subway car with a respectable-looking citizen casually rolling a joint, preparing to smoke their breakfast. Dispensaries are everywhere, and while the effect of pot on most people is benign, any psychiatrist or a quick consult with Dr Google will inform me that there is a link, for a very small minority, between marijuana and psychosis. Only as marijuana use becomes pervasive, which it will, will we find out exactly how many of these people there are. The best analogy for this is alcohol. 
We need to remember, as our bongs gurgle merrily, how our entire society has been shaped around the original legal drug. Our rituals are built around it. We teach the young about its dangers. We have an entire subculture in Alcoholics Anonymous that has grown up to help the people who have a deadly relationship with drink. And yet we still bury 140,000 Americans a year who die from drinking too much. Guns kill only a third as many. This is what we pay for the freedom to drink. The bill for the freedom to take drugs is yet to be presented. Having made these scolding and blue-nosed observations, I offer my approval of the great decriminalisation. We've tried the alternative and it hasn't been great. The point is to resist the kind of lazy libertarianism that seems Indigenous. I, that seems to be the same quote, doesn't it? Mm. Um, but our experience with our culture teaches us that the trade-offs are much harder. Uh, even laws that need to be struck down were usually written for a good reason. Well, I'm not sure no, I agree no, with that. I think that, that last paragraph was not necessarily just a reiteration of the quote from before, but it was... Um, it's interesting that he wanted to highlight the point, yeah, mm. being, you know, a lazy, you know, creating an Indigenous... We're eager as a nation to think that any rule foisted upon us from above is a profit-making bureaucratic racket or a puritanical relief of our religious past. And the harms of removing laws on this mind is restricted to the lives of a few weak or foolish people who can't handle their liberty. But it's an interesting concept, I guess, that we're yeah. really what we're talking about is the morality of intoxication. And people don't say that. And in this, like you present an intellectual piece yeah. and say, I'm looking at this from an intellectual point of view, but not reducing it to the reality, which is the fundamental opposition to intoxication. Yeah. Is and, that okay? And despite that, Americans still take enormous yeah, amounts yeah. of drugs. But We'll um, think of a good reason to do it sooner or later. But, yeah, interesting And we just piece. make it legal or illegal. All right, that takes us out from this week's news from the drug war front. Uh, remember, remember the karma number. Six two five three three six four three. I always remember that, even if I can't remember the address, Jeffrey. <laughs> and we shall talk to you again next week. Take care. Indeed, we will. And we good will luck. Take bye for care now. of yourselves. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress She's heading west From far away Stays for a day Never a friend